Chapter 8 Home Again Spring came late that year. Even though it was late in May, the fruit trees and honeysuckles were still in bloom. The grass really needed mowing, but the flowers we planted for mother's, mother's funeral painted a lovely picture in the midst of the weeds. I felt sad as we drove up to the house, wishing mother would come out to meet us. I wanted to believe her death was only a dream and my coming home would wake me from this terrible nightmare. The honeybees were the first to greet us as we walked up the steps. There was no one at home. The house was dark and dirty. The electricity and the water were cut off. I tried to call daddy at the barber shop, but the phone was off too. We wondered what could have happened. Where were Kathy and Ronald? After the kids started getting restless and thirsty, Erling took them to her aunt's house. It was late in the evening and they were tired from the long trip. Charlie and I sat in the house for a while. No one said a word. The real reason for living in the house was forgotten and we all took up our own selfish calls. Mother had worked hard for us to have a home. When Ronald finally came home, he said the lights had been cut off for a month and the water for a week. He said Kathy was staying with Sister Lewis's cousin and Daddy was in Chicago visiting Mima. Ronald had to work that night and he left after Charlie gave him money for gas. It seems as if Ronald hadn't been taking care of himself. He looked tired and walked slower than usual. His diabetes had gotten worse since mother died. As I write these words, I'm remembering that Ronald has left us. He lived to be 52 years old and he died from complication from the diabetes. My playmate, I miss him so much. When we were small, he rummaged through the trash cans and find Kathy and I dolls. We give the dolls names and make them have fights with the store-bought dolls that Mimo bought us. We had so much fun back then. Life was simple. When Erlene came back, Charlie left with her, leaving me alone. I knew he wasn't coming back. So I decided to find a candle before it got dark. As darkness pursued and overtook the daylight, I became restless. It would be a long night. The burning candle reminded me of the times I played in homemade tents as a child. Back then, the candle cast only a small aura of light in the daytime under an old sheet. But tonight, it was the only light to be found under the blanket of darkness that covered the whole house. This was my first time ever being alone all night. My prayers were very brief, and as the candle wick grew shorter, I became more afraid than ever of the dark. The need to be close to someone led me to mother's room, but the room just wasn't the same. The smell of cigarettes and smelly feet made me forget that she had ever slept in this room. 
The room was very hot and stuffy. After lying across the bed for a while, I decided to raise the window. The sweet smell of gardenias my mother planted outside the window filled the dark room with a euphoric wave. Between the cool breezes and the smothering heat, I fell in and out of a troublesome sleep. I started to dream about the ride home from California. I was driving a yellow Vega. When the journey first started, the car was full of people. There were so many people in the car until it made you wonder how many people could fit in such a small car. I knew most of the people but some of them were riding because they knew someone else in the car. Somewhere along the way, I got lost. Whenever I got lost, I would stop and ask for directions. At every stop, some of the people would get out and go their own way. Eventually, I ended up alone in the car and still lost. I finally drove to a narrow road that led to a river. The only way to get out of this place was to back the car up. I put the car in reverse and stepped on the gas. It kept going backwards faster and faster, and I couldn't stop it. When I woke from the dream, it was still dark outside, and the night air was a lot cooler. I found Mother's old yellow blanket in the closet and wrapped up in it. It smelled like her and felt very warm and comforting. The birds singing and the bright sunlight shining through the window let me know I had survived the night. Little did I know there would be many more nights like this to come. Daylight always reveals the victory. I sat on the front porch until the next door neighbor, Mrs. Green, invited me over for breakfast. As she prepared breakfast, I drank coffee and thought about my next move. The coffee made me feel like an adult. Mrs. Green brought me up to date with the goings on in the neighborhood. A lot had happened since I left. It was a lot to take in with the hotcakes and eggs she made for breakfast. Mrs. Green was a strange creature. She cursed her son and husband and cried out to God at the same time. Once she came to church with us and went into a fit of rage about Brother Warren, an old crippled man who lived in the back of the church. She cursed out the good bishop about the church making Brother Warren pay for his dinner plate. Why the hell does he have to pay for his food? Shit, he's a crippled man who watches out for the church. You niggas up in here are going to hell. And why you and Sister Lewis got this illegitimate bastard-ass kids that you think don't nobody know you got? The bishop quickly darted out of the pulpit. The deacons hurriedly escorted Miss Greens out of the church. She never came back. After breakfast, I called Sister Lewis. She blew her horn for me to come out to the car. We went to her house, and she talked about Kathy's engagement to her cousin named James. 
James joined the church and he's a good boy, she said in his defense. I was not willing to argue this point. The fact that Captain knew so little about him is what worried me. After convincing me not to worry, she phoned the good bishop and asked him for help with the utilities. The good bishop wanted to speak to me, and Sister Lewis handed me the phone before I could refuse to talk to him. I was nervous when I said, uh, uh, hello, good bishop, sir. I could hear the anger in his voice when he said, the church don't got no money to spare, daughter. Ella Jones told me you never came to church while you was in California. I want you to be here at church tonight. Do you hear me, daughter? That meant I was in trouble and would have to ask the church for forgiveness for me being disobedient. The good bishop drove a new Cadillac, wore new suits and shiny alligator shoes, but the church couldn't help us. I felt the good bishop wasn't concerned about our physical welfare. He just wanted to control us mentally. I had no intentions of going to church that night or any night in the near future. In fact, I wish Sister Lewis hadn't called and told him I was back. Now everybody in church knew I was back in town. Maybe I shouldn't have quit the job and gone to California. Maybe I should have gone to that church in California. Maybe if I had been there for Kathy, she wouldn't be engaged to a total stranger. Maybe Charlie could give, the, the, give me the money for the utilities. He did have the money. But that thought was so far-fetched until it made me laugh. He was a lot like his father. Finally, Sister Lewis came up with a plan to get the money for the utilities. It was like she wanted to make up for what the church hadn't done for us. She didn't want the good bishop to look bad in my eyes. She would have given us the money if she had it. She really cared about us. There were two social security checks at home that daddy hadn't cashed. It was enough money to have the utilities and the phone turned on. There would even be enough money left to buy a bill of groceries. Sister Lewis knew the owner of the store who cashed checks at the grocery store near her house. The check cashing line was long, and Sister Lewis was holding it up with her pleas to Mr. Wu, the owner of the small store. When she explained the situation and pleaded enough, he finally said he'd cash the checks. I could swear I saw tears in her eyes when she talked to him. This little girl belongs to my church, Mr. Wu. Her mama died three months ago, and her daddy is in Chicago visiting his sick mother. She's got two social security checks, and she needs to get them cash to pay her utility bills and buy some groceries. She'll be giving most of the money back to you when she gets finished with her shopping. Mr. Wu, please do this for me. Okay, Miss Louise. You able to get blood from rice. I do this one time just for you. You tell no one. Show me checks. Mr. Wu casted checks and gave me the money. I knew this was wrong, but I didn't know what else to do. 
After we pulled off this daring feat, I was sorry for what I had done. Stealing from daddy was a habit I had broken. Now I was doing it again. Sister Lewis told me not to worry. She wanted me to settle down and get ready for the changes that were about to happen in my life. I didn't quite understand what she meant, but I went along with what she said. Somehow I couldn't think while she was talking. I guess I had so much on my mind. God will forgive you, Sister Mary. I'll call Kathy and tell her you're home. When you see your sister, you'll feel better. After she said this, she hugged me and led me out of her car. With the lights and the water turned on, I was able to clean the house and cook dinner with a few groceries I bought. Mother would have been proud of me. Her last request was for help with paying the electricity bill. Cleaning and cooking made me feel better. I began to long for the days when our family was together, and at the end of the day, a hot meal was waiting to be enjoyed by all. I was becoming a great cook, and the smell of the fried chicken I cooked made me think of the evening meals Meemaw prepared whenever she stayed with us. Now my family was torn apart and scattered. Mother was the glue that held us together. When I finally saw Kathy, she looked different. It was like she had a secret and didn't want me to know about it. We didn't even hug each other. I reached out to her and she pushed me away. Our last conversation on the phone when I was in California was not very pleasant, but I had forgotten about it. When we began to talk about the big issue, her getting married, she frantically shook her head and waved her hands as if she didn't want to hear anything that was against her plans to marry James. Then the issue of sex came up. She told me they had sex. I gasped in shock. Then I thought this was the reason why she looked so different. Sex had made her look different. I was really naive. After begging her to tell me more, she finally told me the details of dating this man and losing her virginity. This was her first boyfriend. When we were finally able to giggle and laugh about the story, it reminded me of the secrets we shared when we were kids. Kathy was a woman now. That's the way I saw it. She stayed home that night, and we talked half the night about sex and babies. Mother never had that conversation with us. I must have been eight years old when she decided to kill, tell Kathy and I about the facts of life. She gave us the M encyclopedia and told us to read the paragraph about menstruation. When it was my turn to read it, I just pretended I had read and understood it. Mother didn't explain anything. I thought menstruation was what a preacher did. It happened on New Year's Day, two months before my 10th birthday, when I started my monthly cycle. My head had been hurting for a couple of days. When I saw the blood in my underwear, 
I thought I had injured myself somehow. Mother didn't say a word. She just gave me a pad and an elastic strap with two hooks on it. I thought the pad was a big band-aid. Mother never told me I would do this every month either. She was indeed a woman of few words. I began to wonder if Kathy was pregnant. I did know how babies were made. She assured me that she wasn't, and I was more excited about her sex life than she was. I talked her to sleep, just like I did when we were kids. After saying my prayers, I found myself feeling a bit worried about my life and being alone. Kathy was definitely getting married and would be living with her new husband. As hard as it is, it was to picture this, I knew it was going to happen. That night, I asked God to send someone to fill the emptiness in my life. I should have been asking for something else, something I really needed like wisdom, strength, and courage. But sometimes God gives us what we ask for, even though we don't need it right then. I didn't go to church for about two weeks after returning home. It was a Sunday night when Kathy and I decided to go with Ronald. The service was a bit boring. Maybe it was just me, but the singing and the music was too loud and it was annoying me. Less than a year ago, I looked forward to going to this church. The good bishop always said, if you don't use the gift God gave you, he'll take it away from you and give it to somebody else who is willing to use it. I thought that was happening to me. I hadn't felt the presence of God since mother's illness. It was like I never received the Holy Spirit. Maybe I need to pray and seek God all over again. During the church service that night, I tried to get in the mood, but my mind wasn't on church. Seeing the good bishop looking all spiffy while sitting in the pool pit and directing the services made me remember what was really important. The money I took from my father had to be replaced somehow. These were the thoughts that ran through my mind during the church service that night. Even the money the deacons took up in the offering plate looked tempting. I was desperate. God, what was I becoming? The good bishop's voice ran through my mind again. When you leave God, you'll become a reprobate. I didn't quite know what a reprobate was, but it had to be something bad that happened when you left God. After quickly dismissing the thought of taking the money out of the offering pan, I started to analyze myself spiritually. I had done nothing wrong while being away from church, except cash my father's checks without his permission. This was done for a good cause. We needed the utilities turned back on. I was just paying the bills so he wouldn't have to pay them when he came back. These thoughts were rehearsed mentally in behalf of my defense. What if daddy called the police on me for what I had done? Somehow that thought made the whole situation seem funny and I chuckled within myself, managing to find a smile. A warm and comforting feeling came over me 
and I instantly knew everything would be all right. I began to hear the familiar voice again. Why had it been so long since I heard a word? Maybe I hadn't trusted God enough. I wanted so much for mother to be healed and she wasn't healed. Instead, she died. There was no bitterness or angry anger in my heart toward God. I was disappointed and an emptiness ran deep within my soul. Sometimes I would see a woman who looked like mother downtown or at the store. My heart would race with joy and then reality would take its place. I cried, God, I lost my mother. If I could only find her, then I finally found her in my dreams. In the dreams, she would be sitting in the back of a car with bodyguards all around her and she was still sick. I was not allowed to touch her and she could never stay long. Just like she was in real life, she never said much. Somehow she knew what was going on in our lives and she went away because she had to do something for someone else. She was happy and was in a good place. After the first dream, I woke up and was angry with my father. I felt he was the cause of her leaving. He treated her so bad. I felt better when Kathy told me she had the same kind of dreams about mother. Then the dreams comforted me. At least I got a chance to see her. The conversation that night in church with the Holy Spirit made me remember the dreams and the little things about mother I had missed so much. It refreshed my soul like the sweet smell of her gardenias. Somehow I knew my problem would be solved, but not without a struggle. During the announcements that night, the good bishop said the church was happy to have a sister back from California and the members really missed her. He was smiling when he said this. I was glad he didn't ask me to come to the altar for forgiveness and prayer. After service, the members hugged us and made us feel welcome. You would think all of us had left time. I didn't see Anthony that night after church. Someone else was the drummer. Maybe why, Maybe that's why the service was so boring. Hmm. Chapter 8, Home Again, Continued. Well, the big event finally happened. Daddy came back home from Chicago. It was late on a Wednesday evening. He surprised me. I knew he was coming back, but I wish he'd stay in Chicago forever with his mother. We talked for a while and I asked about Sherry. I was lonesome without her. She was my little girl. He said she was fine and Mimo was taking good care of her. They planned to come home for my graduation ceremony at the end of the month and they would stay for Kathy's wedding in June. 
Boy, when he found out what I had done, they probably wouldn't even come to my graduation. I probably wouldn't even get a gift from Mimo either. I didn't have time to worry about graduation gifts right then. The only good thing about him finding out about the money was that he wasn't drunk this evening, and maybe he would understand. I tried to talk to him as long as I could, thinking the smell of his favorite food, smothered chicken and rice, would get his mind off the checks. But when he went to the bookshelf and went through the mail, I knew time had run out when he asked me in a loud voice, where are my checks? I went to the bathroom and turned on the faucet. I wanted to climb out the window and run away. His voice was louder when he said, Mary, do you hear me? Why in the hell are my checks? I came out of the bathroom and walked past him. He walked behind me. Knowing there was no time to go into details and act like I was sorry and afraid, I turned around, took a defensive stand, and spoke clearly to him. My mind flashed back to the first conversation, confrontation I ever had with my father. I believe I was about five or six years old when this happened. My mother had let a neighbor, Mrs. Garrett, babysit us. This particular day, her oldest boy wanted to play doctor. Kathy and I didn't know how to play this game. Well, as you can imagine, the playing went too far. We began to examine body parts. I knew what we were doing was bad, but I was curious and wanted to see their body parts too. As much as Ronald had played with Kathy and I, the thought of us playing with each other that way never occurred. Mrs. Garrett left, left us a long time, and we played this game until Mother came and took us home. That night, I sat in Mother's lap and told her what we had done at Miss Garrett's house. She didn't seem upset and told me that she didn't have to work the extra day anymore and would be home with us for the rest of the summer. I was relieved and slept like a baby that night. But just like the quiet before the storm, the next day, Hurricane Chat would spin my world around. The following morning after breakfast, my father asked Kathy and I about what happened at Miss Garrett's house. After we admitted playing the little game that her son showed us, Daddy pulled off his belt. I was shocked. If I knew we were going to get a whipping, I would never have told mother what happened. He whipped Kathy first. The whipping lasted a long time. Mother left the room. When I saw how he was beating her and how mother left without stopping him, I ran out the back door. I had a head start and ran through the yard with him chasing me. I ran outside the fence that surrounded the projects. There was a narrow ledge with a 20-foot drop outside the fence. I managed to hold on and scale the edge of the fence without falling. Daddy stayed on the other side of the fence and threatened to beat the black off of me if I didn't come back. I told him that I would rather jump than get a whipping. 
Then he started to come on the other side to get me. There was nowhere else to run. The whizzing sound of the cars below made me change my mind about jumping. I cried while pleading for him not to whip me as I walked on the other side of the fence to him. When I got close to him, I tried to run again. One of my shoes fell off my feet. He caught me and started whipping me. Everybody was watching as he whipped me all the way home and kept on when we got in the house. Mother finally told him to stop. He told me to never talk back to him and not to ever run from him. This was the first time he ever whipped me. Now I was about to get a whipping again. But I didn't see him take off his belt. So I knew this would be a fight rather than a whipping. I was not going to run from him this time. I cleared my throat and said, I cashed the checks, Daddy, and I spent the money. You did what? I cashed the checks. The utilities were off and I had to get them turned back on. You were gone and didn't leave any money to pay them. What were we supposed to do? These words came out of my mouth, and it was if I wasn't the person saying that. I had an out-of-body experience or something. I could see the whole event. He lunged towards me and yelled, I don't give a damn about y'all. Y'all grown. And Sherry is with Mama in Chicago. I'm going to beat your ass for what you did. He grabbed me and threw me on the sofa. I bounced back up and pushed him into the bookshelf. The books and letters went everywhere. We tussled for a while and broke the coffee table. He slapped me and I clawed him with my long nails. I was surprised at how weak he was. The sound of a lamp breaking made us stop fighting. He sat on the sofa with his shirt torn and a lot of scratches on his face. I was out of breath, and all I could do was pace around the room. I tasted blood. My top lip was busted. I went into the bathroom and wiped my mouth with a towel. When I came back into the living room, I threw a towel to Daddy. He wiped his face, and the sight of blood on the towel made him angry again. You good for nothing crazy ass bitch church going hypocrite bitch i'd have beat your ass again we started to fight again he hit me in my mouth i fell on the floor and managed and he managed to open the front door and drug me outside he told me to get my ass out of his house and never come back make it out there the best way you can bitch you can't never come back in here. He locked the door so I couldn't get back in. I sat on the front porch. Kathy was gone somewhere with James and probably wouldn't be back that night. She could do whatever she wanted and nobody bothered her. Not even the church members. Sister Lewis knew they were sleeping together and said nothing about it. If I were to do something like that, I would have to go to the altar and ask the church to forgive me. Honestly, I would have to do just that. I watched the sunset 
and it was still and was still on the porch. I was hoping Ronald would come home soon. His car wasn't running, and he had to take the bus. This would make him come home even later. About midnight, he came home. Anthony picked him up from work. They became very close while I was in California. I was happy to see Anthony and didn't want him to know what had happened. When he asked why I was outside so late, I began to cry and told him my sad story. You shouldn't have cashed daddy's check, Mary. Ronald said this as he walked past me. Ronald went into the house and left me alone. Anthony became furious. How can he just leave you like that? Where you wanna go and spend the night, Mary? The only place I could think of was Sister Lewis's house. She did play a major role in the scheme to cash the checks in the first place. So that's where we headed. When we got to her house, they were still up. She was baking some chest pies. When I told her what happened, she was comforting when she said, put this ice on your lip. Just thank God it wasn't any worse. He could have really hurt you. You can stay with me as long as you need to, Sister Mary. Then she smiled at Anthony and said, Brother Anthony, that was nothing but the Lord that sent you over there to see by Sister Mary. God's got a plan for y'all. I could feel her planning to set her matchmaking to work. Not that I didn't want her help because I really like this boy. She told him to stay and have some pie with us. We talked, ate pie, drank coffee, and got to know each other. That night, Anthony became my knight in shining armor.